This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you by Pete Belan, Carbon Beverage Cafe, and Colorado Creative Industries. Turn around and face the car. I'll tell you what's going on. Driving cross country, smoking wheels, that's a nice deal. What do you mean you think you have to arrest me? My grandfather, who's in a walker, picked me up and bailed me out of jail. Please use the phone on the cell to get us our thousand bucks as quickly as possible. I think I might be getting arrested. This is the Tour Denver podcast. Tour Denver is a bi-monthly storytelling event produced by Amber Blaze and me, David Reinhardt. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming raconteur events and listen to other episodes at raconteurdenver.com. This raconteur event took place on January 10th at the Ubi Sabubi Room under the Thin Man in Denver. Our topic this evening was arrested. Our first impromptu raconteur is Andy, whose past caught up with him when he crashed his motorcycle in Elko, Nevada. So May of 2015, I was riding my motorcycle from Colorado to California, to San Francisco. And I was, I rarely take the highways, but on this instant, I took Highway 80 because it was pretty much the only route. Um... (laughs) So I get to Elko, Nevada. It's cold. I'm wearing my leather and helmet and everything. And I get to Elko, Nevada, and I decide I'm going to do the right thing and, and do some work. Stop at Starbucks, use their Wi-Fi. And so I, I pull off the freeway, come around, and I see Starbucks. And I was like, turn right, except my bike turned left. Hit some gravel. I went down. And fortunately, people came and stopped and, and lifted up my bike and called an ambulance I'm in the ambulance, and they're asking, "Do you want to go to j- do you want to go to hospital jail later? Hospital now?" <laughs> um, and I'm like, "You know, it's going to be seven, and I think I'll just get out and keep on riding." So I go over to the police officer who's got my driver's license, and I said, "Can I have my license? I want to get back on the road." And he's like, I "Can't do that." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I think I have to arrest you." And what do you what do you mean you think you have to arrest me? He's like, "Well." There's a warrant out for your arrest. I'm like, damn, this is good. Elko, Nevada, everybody, in the middle of nowhere, right? So they take my, all my gears on the back of my bike. They, they tow my bike away, and they put me in the back of the car. And this guy, again, is nice, right? But what he isn't nice enough to do is let me go to the ATM to take out money for bail, um, which he could have. So he took me to jail. They booked me in or checked me in. And, <laughs> and, and I said, I had asked him, I said, what is it that you are, what's my warrant, right? And he's like, well, we don't know. We just, it's, when you get there, you'll find out. I'm like, fine. So they, they you know, do the mugshot, put me in jail with a schizophrenic gang member and some guy who was sleeping off a drunk, uh, a bender, he was the next town over is Carlin, Nevada. Don't go there. Um, he was he was yelling at cars, which was fine, except he was doing it naked in the middle of the street. Okay, 
So they arrested him. He was in jail. It was just the three of us. It was, it was nice. Um, in any case, so I finally find out what I was arrested for. It was an unpaid traffic ticket from 1987. I think most of you weren't born then. <laughs> um, and the bail for all that time ended up being $132. Five hours later, I got out and was on my way. The one thing I did learn about jail is that collect calls from jail costs $15. <laughs> and it goes on your account, and you got to pay that too. So anyway, that's my getting arrested story. Thank you. Our next impromptu raconteur is Adam, who tells the story of his encounter with the shady police operation in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Quick setup. I went to visit a girlfriend down in Albuquerque. She made me the greatest mixtape. And I asked her if she had some weed. And she said her friend got we got some weed. It ended up being like a lot more than I thought. Like, you know, I was just driving across country, there's a lot of weed. But so I rolled a few joints and Albuquerque to Indiana. I wanna say it was on the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas that I got pulled over. It was in the middle of nowhere. And the cop pulled me over. It smelled like weed. I'd probably smoked recently. Like driving across country smoking weed. I was listening to Dylan. It was great. I was 19. (laughs) And I'd had a few experiences with cops before, and they'd all been pretty chill. So I knew it was obvious, and I wasn't going to lie to him and all stuff. So he asked about pot, and I was like, yeah, I got a little bit of pot. He said, well, okay, there's a couple miles up the road. There's an ATM. And if you can take out $1,000 and give it to me, you're all good. But I knew that, like, my limit was, like, $300 out of the ATM because it tells you every time. Like, I was like, I think I have $1,000, but I don't think I can get it out of the ATM up there. He's like, well, you're booked. Brought me to jail. It was a cell. It was really weird. It was really weird. There was a little building that there was people working on and building it and painting it and stuff. And then across, there was no street. I mean, there was no town. It was just... The highway exit, drive up a road, jail, and then across the street, a Western Union. And uh, there, and they said, essentially, I was booked down. They said, here's a phone. Get us a 1000 bucks so you can go. And I was like, okay, shit. There's, it was a, smaller in this room, but 15 people. No judge, no cops, no paperwork or anything. There was a phone in the cell that said, please use the phone on the cell to get us your thousand, our thousand bucks as quickly as possible. And I didn't really realize it, but it was like, it was like I guess, like cop shops, or I don't know what they hear from, but it was like, in the middle of nowhere, a fucking jail cell in a Western Union, and that's it. Called my sister, called my mom, because I can make as many phone calls as I want for free. They were like, oh, you're arrested. It was big news in the family, and everyone was excited. <laughs> so I, I started that process going... And basically, the gist was they gave me was thousand bucks cash. You're on your way. So, I, but I went in the jail cell and I spent about four or five hours in there. And there was there was people who had been in there for several months who got one guy had a gun on him in his car and I don't think he had a license for it or something. But he'd been there forever and they'd go out and work every day and make a couple bucks and pay off their thousand bucks to get out. And one the one I remember one guy being in there for like. You had been in there for almost six months or something like that. And then eventually my friends were the, beat my parents into giving a, getting a 1000 bucks to them first. 
and uh and then they told me and then I was good good to go and I'm lucky you know like people were in there for months and months and months and I was on my way livid like I still have like fantasies of like going back to that little area and like driving by the highway and leaving like having someone in the back of the car leaving like neon paint just like painting the highway I would have like extreme fantasies for years about what I was going to do to this town <laughs> not a town just this little area of land I was only in jail five, six hours. On my way, reached under my seat, big bag of fucking weed still there. Rolled a joint, crossed the border, got to Indiana. The next impromptu raconteur to take the stage was Laura. Her story was a different take on the theme of Arrested, in which she unknowingly met one of her comedy heroes. Thanks, guys. So, um, arrested. I am not cool or edgy at all, and I am not a criminal, and I've never been arrested. And what I am is a comedy nerd. So when I heard uh, tonight's theme was arrested, um, I thought of Arrested Development, if anyone's a fan. So hopefully the story is for you. Um, Yeah, I was a huge comedy nerd, and I moved to Hollywood when I was 19 years old. And an edgy thing that I thought I did was I got a job as a day hostess at the Hard Rock Cafe on Universal City Walk in Hollywood. Um, and I thought it was a really cool edgy job because I was like, they let me wear a fake nose ring and a studded belt to work. And it was so cool. Um, and I thought that this was going to be like the hip happening place. Like all the celebrities come to the Universal City Walk, don't they? Um, not during the day and not on the off season, which is when I was working. So this giant Hard Rock Cafe that was like 250 capacity sort of people, like I would seat like maybe a dozen people a day in a six hour shift. It was very slow. I think I used like the same menus like for each party that I sat down. Um, and I remember one day I ended up meeting one of my comedy heroes without even realizing it. Um, this man had walked into uh, the restaurant and um, he just looked like another tourist. He had two daughters with him and he had like this curly hair and this big like dewy teethy smile. Um, and I could say that I'm Jewish. Um, and um, and I looked at him, and I just thought he was like some other tourist. And then he said we just needed um, one menu and two kids' menus. And so I gathered up the menus, and then I looked back up at him, and I realized he had like this windbreaker jacket. And I noticed the font on his jacket was, and it was familiar with a little circle around it, and it said Arrested Development on his jacket. Um, I had no idea who he was, and I, just being a huge comedy fan and nerd at the time, was excited that I could talk to somebody about this show, because this was in 2003, before Netflix had even existed, and you had to watch Arrested Development on DVDs, if you remember DVDs. Um, This was far before, like, people were doing Arrested Development Halloween costumes, or there were, like, a thousand... Arrested Development crafts on Etsy. This was way before that. Um, So I looked at this guy and I was like, oh, do you watch that show? I'm a fan of that show. And he was kind of taking it back and he he kind of looked at his daughters really surprised and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm... I, I didn't think anybody watched this show. Like, um, I, I work on the show. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he was very, like quiet and and mumbly about it so I didn't really press him and 
talk to him about it more. Um, and as I was walking to uh, the table to seat him and his daughters, um, he was kind of like, so you, you actually watched the show? Like, do you like it? I'm like, yeah, it's really funny. And I don't, I don't know anybody else who watches it at all. <laughs> um, and he was like, that's okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and I sat him down and I walked away to finish the rest of my side work or whatever. And I remember his behavior was really weird. Like I was um, walking back and forth and he was like pointing to me at his daughters. He was like, that's the girl, that girl. And I remember him saying, that girl watches daddy's show. And I was, I did not know what he was talking about at all because I didn't know who this person was. Um, And he eventually finished with his daughters and then I remember I was out on the balcony having a smoke break and then I would turn they were gone but the wait the server that was serving them at the time said oh he wanted to come by he didn't see you when you were leaving but he wanted to say thank you and I was like okay who the fuck is this guy (laughs) um and it wasn't until years later when I was watching DVD commentary and interviews that I realized that guy was Mitchell Hurwitz and he was the creator of Arrested Development. Um, That's my Arrested story. Thank you. And then Kay Ann took the stage with the story of her moment of arrestment, an epiphany in a time of despair that led her to life-changing self-acceptance. To arrest in my definition, which is, by the way, the fifth definition, fifth and final definition that Google has to offer, which is a stoppage or sudden cessation of motion. So when I was 16, I lived in the suburbs of Denver, a faraway place um, called Arvada, um, <laughs> and I fucking hated it there. Um, I was, I was, a, I was a, a, a closeted queer kid, um, in a very homogenous, um, conservative town. Um, and I decided I was going to get the fuck out of there by the time I was 18. So on my 18th birthday, still like semi-closeted, uh, my best friends like had an idea, but I went to pride, (laughs) um, registered to vote on my, on my 18th birthday at pride. And also, kissed my first girl. <laughs> so I fell in love with this girl eventually. So later, I move, I move, I decide to move to the most liberal city I can think of on the West Coast, which is Seattle. Then I decide, just to make it complicated, to go to the most conservative school in Seattle, a private Christian school. <laughs> Again, just so I could be queer and closeted and just go with that. So, 19... This girl, who I fall in love with, decides to join me at my very conservative school. And we have a very tumultuous relationship that ends badly and results in me, like, drinking and smoking and being really self-destructive in a lot of ways. And so I move back home, and I move in with my grandparents. And my grandma is my favorite person in, in the world. She was a badass, obviously quite older than all of us, and she obtained a master's in education when women weren't really going to college, so I just admired the shit out of her. Um, I moved in with her the week before her birthday, and my grandma didn't really uh, 
ha have that many, uh, she had lots of high hopes for me, but she didn't expect that much. My grandma loved cards, though. Really, really loved cards. Um, and the day before her birthday, my cousin was like, let's go to a party in Boulder, which is never a good idea, by the way. Like, <laughs> never go to a party in Boulder. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. As long as, like, on the way back the next day, we can pick up, pick up a card for my grandma because it's her birthday. Kara was like, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Except the party went a little differently than I planned, and I got arrested, um, which resulted the next day, um, instead of me and Kara going to get a card for my grandma, my grandfather, who was in a walker, picked me up and bailed me out of jail. Um, so I, I spent um, May 28th, my grandma's birthday, her final birthday, um, laying on her couch feeling shittier than I've ever felt. First of all, I was fucking hungover. Second of all, I was just like drowning myself in all the self-pity. And my grandma asks me, so, Kayanne, why did you leave Seattle? And it was, it was my moment of arrest. Because since I was 16, I was running from the fact that I was gay and trying to reconcile it with everything I had ever known. And I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her why I left. But I stopped. And I had to take a moment. And I said, Grandma, I, I don't want to talk about it. And she never mentioned it again. She said, that's OK. And after she died, I, I realized that that was a really important moment for me because instead of running and just continually fucking up my life, I had to realize that, that this thing that I was wrestling was manifesting itself in ways that was way, way bigger than me and was affecting a lot of people that I loved in a lot of terrible ways. I just felt like things could not get better, and my dad told me, you have to take the first job that you are offered. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I was 19. But I went to, I applied to Ballet Nouveau, Colorado. So that was a Sunday. May 28th was a Sunday that year. And that Monday, I got a, a call for an interview. I ended up getting one of my favorite jobs I've ever had, um, involved with people who are creative and non-judgmental. And they didn't give a shit that I was gay. They were like, cool. Uh... Everyone here is <laughs> gay, <laughs> so. <laughs> so since then, on May 28th, I just try and take a moment. Um, years later, I was 22, and I graduated on a week after May 28th with my bachelor's. And this year, just like my grandma, I'm gonna get a master's in education. Finally, Dan wound up this round of impromptu raconteurs with his story of an unfortunate encounter with the law after a blissful Yom Kippur in the mountains. So who here knows what Yom Kippur is? Most of you. So for those of you that don't know, Yom Kippur is the Jewish Day of Atonement. You go in, it's kind of like if you think of going to give confession, if you're Catholic. It's that for Jews, but you do it once a year, and you take an entire day and you fast and you contemplate on what you did wrong and what you did right and how to do all these things and blah, blah, blah. 
Jewish guilt manifest destiny right there. So, if you weren't sure, I'm Jewish. Uh, I don't necessarily consider myself religiously Jewish, but I'm very spiritually Jewish. I don't do things in the typical way. For me, on Yom Kippur, I do fast. But what I do is I fast, and then I go hike in the wilderness with a couple of very close friends silently for several hours and come back, and it's this very, very impactful experience for me and for us. So we have this experience. We're in the Mount Evans wilderness. Beautiful day, gorgeous. We come down. We're all blissed out and zenned out. We're driving down the Evergreen Parkway. And for anybody that's driven down there, you know that there's a corner where the speed drops. And it drop, drops by about 20 miles an hour. I'm all blissed out driving around that corner. Sheriff. He comes in right behind me, follows me all the way down. He's not putting his lights on, though. It's like five miles, seven miles to I-70. Not putting his lights on. Whole way down. No lights. I'm like, guys, I, th I think I got this. I'm at the lights as you get onto the highway. And if you get on the highway, I don't know if this is actually true, but I've always said that if you get on the highway, they don't have jurisdiction there. That's state there. We're good to go, right? We hit those lights. The lights go on. Pulls me over. All right. Okay. I've been through this a few times. I, I may or may not have gotten a couple of speeding tickets in my time. So I'm like, okay, hands of 10 and 2, I got my, my registration out, ah, oh, shit, I had just gotten back from Turkey, I have a brand new car, new tags at home, old tags in the window, or temp tags in the window, okay, officer comes up, good afternoon, officer, sorry, I was going a little fast there. Here's my registration. By the way, I apologize. I have the tags at home. The new ones are right there. Let me pull up my insurance. Very pleasant. Everything's good. He goes back. He's gone for a while. Like, a while. Good solid 30 minutes. I'm like, guys, what the hell is going on? See another cop car scream up. Like, guys. I think I might be getting arrested. Like, because anybody that's been around kind of knows that if a second cop car comes up to a traffic stop, you're probably getting arrested. <laughs> so, comes up to the window. Can you step out of the car, please? Officer, can you can you tell me what's going on? Step out of the car, and I'll I'll tell you what's going on. I could fight it, but. That's never going to turn out well. Go to the back of the car. Officer, can you, can you tell me what's going on? Turn around and face the car. I'll tell you what's going on. All right. Like, I, I don't really have a choice, but okay. Turn around and slap the cuffs on. So what's going on? Apparently, you have an unpaid ticket. Just wait. <laughs> Officer, I, I pay my tickets. Like I've gotten enough of these. I pay them. Like there's, there's no way. Throws me in the back of the vehicle. 
go through the whole thing, get booked. The, the best part about booking for me was while I'm fasting for Yom Kippur, <laughs> legally they have to offer you a meal. They can't just offer it to you. They have to give it to you. So here I am fasting. Here's your meal. Well, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. So go through the whole thing. Find out what it was was an unpaid dog off-leash ticket <laughs> in Jefferson County that they had written down the wrong address on and sent to the absolute wrong address. Wah, wah, wah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tour Denver. If you enjoyed these stories and live in Denver, join us at Spangalang Brewery on March 7th for our next Tour event with the topic of nicknames. Here's a reminder to head to RackandTourDenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. The music for this episode was created by Kevin Larkin. You can find more streaming on SoundCloud at Amateur Astronomy. And of course, we would like to thank our sponsors, Pete Bland, Carbon Beverage Cafe, and Colorado Creative Industries.